0: Welcome to Trapping Inc. Um, where, where are we? We're at home. It's March. It's I don't uh, know.
1: I've, I've been editing and I, I don't care and I'm grumpy. And <laughs> oh,
0: well, for your information, then, this is a scuttlebutt podcast. And, uh, well, I think we've got that pretend spring on our doorstep right now.
1: Wow. Well, the gentleman, though, that we're about to talk to... Jeff Varville is from Alaska, and I'm betting he's got better weather there than we do.
0: I was just going to say, you're probably mowing the grass up there.
1: <laughs> How's it going, Jeff?
2: It's going good. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, and, and so point in fact, it is not spring up here. It's about minus 11 today, and I mowed my driveway with the snowblower.
0: <laughs> oh, so you got an all Canadian on us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are, yeah. We are. Remember, we're uh, so I, I live in Wasilla, Alaska, which is about forty-five minutes north of Anchorage, and that's about about twenty-two hundred miles west of Seattle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and isn't that the home of um, a, a former? Uh, VP running mate? Yeah,
2: that's Sarah Palin's hometown. That's right. Yes. And, and in fact, I coached Sarah's son, Track Palin, uh playing hockey. So yeah, I know the family very well.
1: Well, small so, world. You you know the, the, the only two Republicans in all of Alaska? <laughs> I <laughs> Pretty much at
2: this point. That's right. That's exactly right.
3: How you may are you not guys? know
0: much about well, you may not know much about Canadian politics, but we sure do know a lot about your American <laughs> politics.
2: You know, I, I I hear that Trump is probably in the news up there a little bit. And and I have news for you. We hear a little bit about Trudeau ourselves down here.
1: Oh, well. God, what, a, what an embarrassment the man is.
2: <laughs>
1: so I have a very dear
2: friend of mine that lives in Toronto. Don't hold that against him. But his name is Barry Stock, and he is the... He's been hunting and fishing with me for many, many, many years. Uh, he is one of your Canadian rock stars. He is the lead guitarist for a, a rock band called Three Days Grace. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Oh, yes. So they are the number one rock band in the world with 21 now. They just passed Van Halen for all-time number ones. And he looks like a mountain man if you've ever seen a mountain man. So he loves coming up to no Alaska kidding. because nobody knows who the heck he is and nobody cares. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that'd be like coming to northern alberta <laughs>
2: that's exactly right he just looks like another long gray bearded tattooed guy with a hat on
0: <laughs> nobody
2: cares
1: typ- typical trapper huh
2: typical trapper that's exactly right
1: yeah tell us jeff tell us a little bit about you i mean uh, uh the internet's a big wide wide world out there and we're, we're slowly getting there but we are always oh, so busy we're the last people that get to, to to uh browse out there as much as we'd like to but you have a tv program or you've hosted a tv program and you have a, a radio program but before you get there i want to know where you come from you told me a, a pretty neat story off the air here i want to hear again
2: oh yeah so i i am actually from uh northern michigan and uh and i was a hockey player and that's how i originally ended up in alaska many 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 years ago and, uh, of course, you guys don't know anything about hockey players up there in Canada. No. And uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they said, go north, young man, and I, and I came north. And, uh, and so I have been up here ever since. And uh, so that was 1991 to age myself a little bit. I'm almost 50. I hosted uh, a couple of different television shows nationally. I, I, I hosted Exploring Alaska, and then I hosted uh, Alaska Outdoors Television on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, that many people are familiar with, and now I have a syndicate radio show called Wild Alaska, and um, and we basically talk a lot about hunting and fishing and trapping and kayaking and skydive, anything to do with the outdoors. Um, you know, uh, that's <laughs> that's what we talk about on the show. And kind of the neat thing is with our show is much like you do, I talk to the the guides, I talk to the people that are in the field that are doing it for a living, and Uh, And I try to do that because Alaska is such a huge state. You know, it stretches from Maine to Minnesota to Texas, if you put it on a map of the U.S. And I don't think people realize how big it is. So, you know, when people ask, hey, how's the fishing or hunting? in alaska yeah. <laughs> in you know in, in september and it's you got to say well it depends on what part of alaska you're in because it may be hawaii weather or it
1: may be alberta weather
2: <laughs> so
1: well,
0: well, we get the same thing about canada
1: oh yeah yeah people say i know a guy up in canada yeah bob, yeah, bob. Where, where's bob Lou? bob lives in toronto and yeah. i always say Not an apartment, Bob. He died. And they look dead serious. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, you know, I. Toronto's uh, 3,000 miles from us. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I have to tell you all, I I don't know exactly. I I can't remember. You know, I have had enough concussions over the years that from playing goalie that I I don't remember exactly what story you want me to talk about. But, you know, living in Alaska for 30 years, I got a few.
1: (laughs) Well, I, was, I, I want I want to hear the I want to hear lots of stories, but it was a story about how to pronounce your last name.
2: Oh, Varville, yeah. So, uh, yeah. The, so I got I got so a couple of my relatives. We get together one day, and they said, "Hey, we should really do this ancestry deal, you know, where you go back and find out your ancestors." And I said, "Oh, nothing good's going to happen from that. I can guarantee." But, let, <laughs> but let's find out what the Varvilles what the Varvilles were doing three, four, five hundred years ago, right? So we 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 tracked them back about. You know, back to the eighteen (laughs) hundreds and sure enough, you know, it turns out we were Andersons. And uh and and uh you know, a long list of Andersons, it looks like and then all of a sudden around Mackinac Island, which is I was born and raised in northern Michigan, the upper peninsula of Michigan. Not that mitten part, but the other part up by Canada. And uh in between (laughs) in between there you've got a yeah, 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 you got a little island called Mackinac Island. And it was a fort. It was called Fort Mackinac. And it was held, it was one of the first forts held by the then colonies, right? And then the British came through and uh, all we can figure, because from the time that the British invaded Michigan and came to Mackinac Island, my last name changed from, all of a sudden, from Anderson to Varvel. And the only thing we could figure is the British <laughs> came through and they said, have you seen any of those damn Andersons around? And we said, nope, nothing but Varvels. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson just ran that way. They were headed to Canada with a bunch of Frenchmen.
1: I don't know.
3: <laughs>
2: so
1: I don't know. How, was Varville a, a common name, or was I don't know? A, I think they just like made the it Smith up. of the day, or what?
2: I think they just made it up. So if you get online, like so, I, you know, you're talking about getting online. I got in line, and when I first started looking for it. Uh, It it turns out it's a city in Turkey. I said, well, I don't know. know, How the heck did they come up with that? I think they just must have looked at a book. (laughs) They just pulled a name out of their hat and said, nobody's ever going to recognize this name. It's in Turkey. (laughs) The British don't even know where the hell Turkey is. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, funny.
1: Yeah. yeah. I had a grandfather that uh, was in horses and that in South Dakota. and, And when he came across the border and became a Canadian... He brought a a herd of horses with him and the deed on the horses was only good north of the border. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so I, can, funny. I can claim to have a fine ancestry of horse thieves and rustlers oh. and that kind of stuff too.
2: Yeah. There's, well, you know, we all come from someplace. I <laughs> can't hold yeah. that against them. Yeah. I think the Statue of Limitations is up on the whole varvel thing changing our name, so we're probably fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm not I worried mean, about the horses either.
2: <laughs> I mean, I moved almost tw- moved almost. Well, 4,500 miles from where I grew up, and, and uh, unfortunately, the Statue of Limitations is not up there. So I, I I'd be able to go back to Michigan pretty soon, though, so that's good. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. I'm allowed to
1: go back. <laughs> Oh, good, good. <laughs> Keep keeping keeping track of whether or not they they uh, you having your mom check see if your pictures come down off the post office wall or <laughs> that's
2: exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, it's nice to travel, you know, these days with with especially with the coronavirus going around. I'm, I'm really oh yeah I love go, love going through Seattle and maybe I'll go into L.A. and maybe Detroit and any oh, place yeah, else yeah. I figure I can catch a bug. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were just laughing that we we were we were. Um, Was it, was it Guatemala or was it Costa Rica when uh, the swine flu was happening? Oh, I don't know. And remember we had, we had to, the only way you could fly was you had to have, had the, the um, vaccine. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Remember? And then every, every airport you're in, they checked your, your, your temperature and all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were filming for uh, Outdoor Quest TV, uh, the hunting and fishing show that we did previous to Trapping Inc. And and, uh, we had, this has been of course scheduled not to go deep sea fishing and. Yeah, it was the peak of swine flu. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: it was, wow. always, it was always something, right? It just seems like it's always something. Well, I have to tell both of you, I I caught on to your show. So so my my grandfather and his father were, were trappers, and, and my father, and, cool. and it's just something, I, you know, I didn't pick up as a kid. I, I, I I'm a big hunter. I love bow hunting, and and uh in rifle hunting as well and i got up to alaska and i was kind of a kid in the candy store because you got all these different critters to hunt up here and of course the fishing is fantastic as everybody knows it's world renowned and uh and then you know uh, somebody asked me the other day uh, i write i write for a whole bunch of different magazines as well and and one of the kids he's probably 20 years old and he said how did you get into this you know when did you become like the guy when it came to hunting and fishing Alaska, right? When did you become the mayor of Whoseville? that everybody calls? And, yeah. I, and I started laughing. I said, I don't know when the hell it happened. And, and I, I, I guess it's probably like that for all of us and, and certainly must be like that for you too, that when people start reaching out for you for advice and, and asking and, and pretty soon you're the guy. And I said, you know how you become the guy? is by making a whole lot of mistakes, <laughs> learning everything the hard way. <laughs> so
0: you get noticed. That's
2: <laughs> yes, exactly right. Uh, you said that's how I became the guy. And so, you know, it's very funny that here 35 years later, you know, that, that people rely on you, uh, you know, for this information. And, and I tell you that, bec- to tell you this, that I learned so much from your show that, about trapping. And and um, and so I was able uh, last year to pick up some muse traps. A guy was selling them, and and uh, I I just was fascinated. And I binge watched your show like it was Breaking Bad for crying out loud, right? I, I watched every I watched every episode in in a week. You know, every every episode you had in a week, I was just streaming it. And I I, I, I thought, man, this is the greatest show. And and I tell you what, it's kind of like our show. Personalities make a show, and you both have such a tremendous. Great relationship and personality on that show, but you're also very humble and and uh, I, which I should uh, uh, take a note of and maybe bring that to my <laughs> show. But, <laughs> but, but, but but you got I'll wait great.
3: Wait until you meet us in person. Yes, yes,
2: yes. So, anyways, I, I learned such a tremendous amount from you, and and I noticed that you also have really the professionals on your show the the guys and gals that do it for a living and that are the experts and you still learn something new you know every single day and i think that's the greatest thing about hunting and fishing is that no matter just when you think you're the guy or the gal you learn something new from an 18 year old kid
1: right <laughs> so. absolutely you know and and i look forward to that though i mean every day you get out of bed i, I think that there's another piece of that that puzzle that you know, that we, we all look at as, you know, the, the great puzzle of life. And I think that every day you're, you know, you've got one piece coming your way, right? Yeah. And, for sure. you know, sometimes you get it, get a, get that piece and, and have your day done with before we first coffee, but other yeah. days it takes a, it takes quite a bit longer. And I have discovered the more and more as we do it, uh, the podcast, the, the TV show and all that is that everybody has a piece to, have, yeah. to, to pass on. And, you know, you, you, learn some of the strangest stuff like you were talking about with the 18 year old kid, um, setting a, um, a Seneca, um, trigger on a Seneca snare. Sure. If you put the trigger in backwards, you don't need the tool. You can use, you can use a, a big nail or, a, or a screwdriver to, to, set it. This, this kid, he wasn't even 18. He was right. 16 or 17. And he showed that to me, you know I mean? Yeah. that That's the kind of thing. There's always something to be learned from somebody as long as you are, uh, you know, open to learning, right?
2: Yeah, and and I think when you're putting in the time, right? In, in Alaska is certainly one of those places where it takes. You know, there is no, for the most part, there is no. Hey, I'm going to go <clears throat> uh, drive down the street and go fishing, or you know, I'm going to drive down the street and go hunting for a couple hours and go sit in a tree stand. Right? It's an expedition every time <laughs> you go out someplace. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so you want you, you any tip somebody can give you. You know, those of us uh, that that you know that are smart, I would like to think, listen to advice. And, and I always said it, man, even growing up as a kid, you want to know you want to know where the best fishing or hunting is? Ask a kid. You know why? Because oh, yeah. they're doing it. They got all summer to do it. They're on the lake all summer. They got the fish named on every single lake. <laughs> you know, if they're, if they're hunting by themselves, like some of us were blessed enough. You know, I grew up, I, I used, from the time I was eight years old, nine years old, I, I, I used to grab the BB gun And just walk into state land in upper Michigan and disappear for 10, 12, 14 hours. And my parents, my parents never looked for me. And uh, and I was, you know, and I had to be careful. In fact, I'm thinking I just, maybe they were hoping I wouldn't come back
3: that's what it yeah, was that's, that's <laughs> to laugh about that.
2: they never looked for you that's a clue, Terrible. Yeah, that's a clue. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe my parents were awful I think now that I'm thinking about it
0: good <laughs> lord
1: <laughs> no I Jake had wonderful has parents a
0: similar story.
1: My, my brother and I grabbed our 22's and we would walk down the back alley and, and out of the city we lived in the city of Grand Prairie which is now I guess 70,000, but back then it would have been 10 or 11,000 people. Yeah. And we walked down to Bear Creek, which runs through the city, and we would shoot rabbits all day long. And, and you know, as long as we were back, by, by the time the, the streetlights came on at night, we were, everything was fine. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, that's exactly right. I, it, you know what? And you never. we didn't have no GPSs, as you know. Or I'm 49 years old. There's no GPSs or cell phones. You, you didn't go into the woods any farther than you knew your way back, you know? And if you got turned yeah. around, you, you, didn't, you weren't really lost. You were just turned around a little bit. (laughs) It may take you. You were just taking the (laughs) scenic (laughs) route. Yeah, yeah, you'll find you'll find your way back sooner or later. There was no Google Earth or Google Maps or anything, you know. And and I think I think nowadays some of these kids, if you put them in, in you know, and I guess every generation probably says that, but really, there's such a soft bunch that are that are coming up that I think if I took the normal kid out of the high school and he didn't have a cell phone in the woods to be able to find his way back, that'd be it. (laughs) <laughs> he'd sit down under a tree you know, and that'd be it
1: <laughs> it's frightening it, it is, frightening. is frightening exactly what you're talking about because i i mean i grew up this in in this town and and i'm 60 now and i cannot believe how quickly things have turned around i would have never believe that i would see this that people lose this much in in northern alberta this much connection with the land oh you know it it, it, it has changed so much
2: oh i know and 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 northern michigan is is like that as well you know it used to be you'd go out you know hunting and and it was a tradition to where you know i grew up in deer camp like like most kids did and in in my generation in in that neck of the woods northern wisconsin northern minnesota northern michigan and you literally it was an excused absence for a week out of school because there's no kids in school anyways they're all at deer camp and you know you had you had 14 uncles you know what i mean who had drinking problems and smoking problems and you know and you heard every story under the planet when you went to deer camp cuz i was there from 12 on and you know sometimes i was the guy driving the team bus from the bar back to the back to camp yeah. you know, sitting on some sit, sitting on some books so i could see over the damn dashboard and you know i mean those were the those were the days i can't imagine now <laughs> you know, but th- that's yeah. gone mm-hmm. Uh, those
1: days I are gone. I learned how to drive a stick at eight.
2: <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah. But those days are gone. You know, these kids, uh, you go in there now, none of the kids are out hunting. None of them are fishing. You can't get them off of an Xbox. And I've got a little saying uh, on my show that when I close out every week, I, I say, you know, take a kid hunting or fishing, you know, get them off the Xbox, out of the Xbox, and into a tackle box, right? And that's, and I really yeah. mean that because, you know, unless we get these kids doing something different, it's gone. It's lost. It's done. You know, so get
1: off my. Soap we box. have, we have lots and lots of fans, um, friends that we haven't met yet from from Alaska. What are the burning issues up there? Um, I, I know, from the people that we hear from, they're kind of split between the fact that we have the humane trapping and have to use the quick kill traps here, and the old style where where uh, they could still use the, the foothold traps. Um, what, what are the burning issues? What, what's, what's happening, uh, in the, on the face of trapping in Alaska?
2: Yeah, I think the, the number one, I think the first thing is, is as the neighborhoods encroach on the state land, right? We're very blessed up here. The fact that we have all of this, you know, millions upon hundreds, you know, millions and millions of acres of state land, square miles, I should say of, of square land of state land, and as homes encroach onto that land of course the trappers have have the same you know 40 50 miles of trap line they've had for generations now it's not like it, uh there's no licensing requirements up here like you guys have to buy a trap line my understanding from watching your show is you got to buy a trap line right it's damn near willed down here you can just go you know there's no there's no you don't have to register it you don't have to pay for it um so that's great right and 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 there's, it's an honor system uh, that's, that's for the most part followed pretty, pretty close. Uh, you know, see somebody's traps, well, you got out of there, you know, you go find your own area. However, as neighborhoods are encroaching on some of this land, as they move farther and farther North, Wasilla, Palmer North, some, some of the animals, you know, the cats and the dogs are now starting to get into the traps. Right. And, and it's yeah. a little tricky in, in, because, um, they're taking them farther and farther out you know, into the, into the wilderness. Um, and the dogs are wandering off the trail and getting stuck in snares and some of the footholds. So. You
1: know, that that's, that's always an issue. And, and we have those issues as well. We have the province of Alberta is also very large, but now we're at, we're over 4 million people, you know, and and back when I I started trapping, we, we were sub 1 million, you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. And as far as our traps systems go, all of our, um, all of our trap lines on public land those are all registered trap lines and those those are what are bought and sold and you have exclusive rights to the to the area in the our trap. case yeah in our case yeah, right. um, our trap line is four townships in in size but they're all private land is just a residential license so you buy a residential license and you get permission in writing from the landowner and uh, where you go trapping yeah.
2: yeah and 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 you don't have that here right and and as alaskans we're so incredibly blessed so for to get to give some perspective so for a hunting license for a resident residents defined as you live in alaska for over a year 360 days uh, then you become a resident quote unquote uh it's it cost me about 18 dollars, and with that 18 dollars, right and then it for a hunting license then it's about 15 bucks for a fishing license and then it's another pff, i want to say 15 bucks 20 bucks for a trapping license now with that though it, it, everything's open so for the most part so with a hunting license in alaska i can shoot a moose three black bear two brown bear five sitka blacktail deer i can shoot a moose i can shoot a mountain goat i can wow. shoot a sheep <laughs> right for 20 bucks right and then trapping license Holy you buy your cow. trapper's license and it's wide open right so we are incredibly blessed up here with with the resources that we have um and um i, I don't know that there's an again that there's an, another state like it. And so that's that that's been kinda of, you know, as far as trapping goes, that's been kind of a hot button is is as the city folks start you know, and and of course it's always the trapper's fault, right? It's never it's never the guy that brought yeah. his dog out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, <laughs> 13, 13 miles on a backpack and trip on a on a trail that the trapper put in himself and then the dog gets stuck. You know, of course it's never the trapper's fault. It's always the yeah, lord.
1: <laughs> you know, good lord, and that, that's one of the issues that we're going to have to address. And and I don't know, I don't know the answer on that one, because we are, I mean, it is becoming more and more as, as it becomes more more people around, it's becoming a, a bigger a bigger issue. Yeah. I don't know how do we make people understand that you know it is their responsibility. I always start with it like this, but you know, I, I talk about you know every time, and it happens here in Alberta. Somebody's dog gets in a snare or gets in a in a three thirty. Connor bear or whatever, and, and it's dead or, <clears throat> or they rescue it, but it needs, you know, psychological schooling or whatever, whatever, you right. know, you know how the people are today with their dogs. Right. Yeah. And I, I always say, well, but how many dogs died today on the, in, in the cities? You know, how many dogs got run over in Calgary? How many got run over in Edmonton? Those are both cities over a million people. Lots of them get run over every, each and every day. And is it the the car's fault Is it the car driver's fault or is it you the the, the dog owner's fault yeah. and of course they all say, well of course it's the dog owner's fault and I say, well you know the law says that you're not to interfere with with traps or or trappers in in the wild and you're always supposed to be in control of your dog yeah. but no no now it's now now it's the trapper's fault and well, I, I'm, but- I'm not sure how we're gonna how we're going to uh, work this one out.
2: Well, it's the day and age where it's always somebody else's fault, right? We take no responsibility. We as a generation of people <laughs> take no responsibility, yeah. right? And, and that's, the, that's the real issue. And until we fix that on many different issues, <laughs> forget about hunting or fishing, um, you know, just taking the responsibility. It was a time when, when, you know, when we, we made a mistake and we did something stupid and something happened that we said, well, well, my bad. <laughs>
0: Right. I'm not going to do
2: that anymore. (laughs) There was a
0: consequence.
2: There was a consequence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now it's always somebody else's fault. And, and we have a little different situation. So, you know, when you're talking about three and four million people, remember Alaska as big as it is. Right. So, um, you know, whatever half of the size of Canada, we only have about 500,000 people that live in the whole state still 250 to 300,000 people live in Anchorage and then Wasilla Palmer, which is north of Anchorage has about thirty thousand, and then Fairbanks is a set, is the next largest city is a seven hour drive north, and that only has about thirty thousand people. So you know, there's a whole lot of nothing out there, and then there's a whole bunch of villages, you know, here and there that, that have. <laughs> I can
1: I can tell out. you I can tell you live in the north though when you give directions like it's a seven hour drive north. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that's, right. that's, that's right. how we travel as well. Yeah,
1: do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, don't talk the same. about miles.
2: No, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, you know, I have no idea how many miles it is. I know it's seven hours to Fairbanks, <laughs> yeah. and and here's the thing, you know, that like to show ice road truckers, you know, and that's only you're only half across the damn state when you get to Fairbanks because there's there is an ice road that goes to the North Slope, you know, all the way up by the ocean, but that's a fourteen fifteen hours on the ice road to get up there where the polar bears live and. Uh, and I, you know, I, yeah, I, I haven't made that trip myself. <laughs> polar bears, good
3: times, polar, good times.
2: Po- polar bears eat people, so I'm just going to stick around Anchorage. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I drove as far as you can drive in Canada. Did uh, you? In, uh yep, right up to Tuktoyaktuk.
2: Tuktoyaktuk. Uh,
1: ah. Yeah, when you leave Inuvik, uh you travel on the on the ice on the ice road. Um, well, okay, now since then they've got a. They've put a, uh, a, a all weather highway in, but at that time, that was last winter for for the uh, ice road on the Mackenzie Delta. Oh. And you drove and drove and drove.
3: Yeah,
1: I you <laughs> I'll know tell you what's dangerous about that is that 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 ice is pretty smooth, and you and you think you you think that you're doing pretty good. You could get going way too fast because then all of a sudden you realize you're on ice when you try to make some of those corners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start power sliding a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the last time, the last time I drove up, I, I hauled a motorhome up with me. I got a, I, so I hauled the old family RV up in a 28 footer, and I got to the border, and I just happened to come through uh, in Vancouver, and I come come through, and I had taken a whole bunch of taxidermy from the Laura Forty Eight uh, up with me, and and so I come through the border, and and of course I made sure I didn't have any of the stuff I'm not supposed to have, and and uh, my some of my mounts were were seat belted in. <laughs> And then I had a, I, I looked like a, I had caribou and moose rack on the roof. And I, I looked like a far side, com- you know, a cartoon. I looked like, that. Yeah. you know what I mean? I, I it was, it was crazy. I, I, so anyways, I get to the board and the Canadian, the Canadian border guard says, Hey, you got beer in there? I said, no, I don't have any beer. He says, he says, you got anything to declare? I said, no, no. He said, you got beer in there. I can see it. I said, I don't have any beer. He said, I can see it. You got beer right there. And he points and it's, he's looking at the bear. And it's a brown oh. bear, you know, that's strapped in, <laughs> riding shotgun. He says, why you got a, why you got a bear riding shotgun?
3: <laughs> <Sad>.
2: <laughs> he said, I hit him with the truck. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I didn't know I had
2: to claim him. And he stopped. And he didn't think that was funny at all. He said, come on out. <laughs> It's <laughs> about six hours later. Got
0: no sense of humor. No sense guys. of
2: humor. Those those border guards got no sense of humor whatsoever. So uh,
1: yeah. no, tell tell them why, why do you got a bear in there? Well, I find it's pretty good conversation starter. You know, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got bear in there. Right? I thought he was saying beer, but no, no. And you know what they did find? It, and just a, a word to the wise: if you're going, if you're if you're packing up, uh, you know, I had a flare gun, you know, the plastic flare oh. gun with the twelve gauge shell. No. In, he says, oh, you, you can't have that in Canada. I said, well, <laughs> I figure if I needed a rescue, I'm driving in the winter. I, I better have a flare gun when I'm coming through. You don't even have gas stations open to toke. You know, <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, you
3: uh, can't
1: I'll, have I'll, that. I'll tell you something. He didn't know what he was talking about. You, you yeah. can buy them at, at, at every every marine store in Canada.
2: Oh yeah, but you, I don't know that you can take maybe you can't take him through the border. I don't know. It was pretty funny. Anyways, well, maybe took what him from tripped me.
0: him up is he wasn't in a marine vehicle. It was <laughs> he had, and he had a bear in there.
2: Yeah, I got a I should have just taken the bay liner. I should have just rode in the boat and then right across the border just Yeah, with the bear. <laughs> <It's been> fine. <laughs> so anyway. Just wave
0: as you pass.
2: Yeah, that's right. Wave as you pass. Yeah, we've got some, some tremendous hunting and fishing up here. I'm super blessed to have, have uh, harvested some beautiful animals, some beautiful moose. I know you guys get some pretty good moose up in your neck of the woods too
1: um more more north of us uh yeah. you got to either cross into to bc there is some pretty good moose along the along the the border in the in the mountains but more usually we, people go up into the territories or, or over to uh over to yukon like we're we're pretty close to all of that stuff and if there isn't much that isn't you know within an eight to ten hour drive but tell me tell me your best moose story you must have a oh, good moose story After oh my
2: goodness do i have the moose <laughs> story see yeah yeah, so I, I have a, so I took a friend of mine from, you know how you get, these guys come out of the woodwork, you know, once they figure out that you're in that business. They, I was guiding, and I had a friend of mine from college, and he calls me up, and, he, and everybody calls me Varves and he says, Varves I, I want to go moose hunting, and he, I said, well, I'll, I'll take you moose hunting, and he said, okay, I've been working on my moose call, and I said, oh, this, this should be good. <laughs> That's just what you want to hear, right? I said, okay. So I, 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 yeah. So I have worked on it over the years, and I, I, I consider myself the moose whisperer, right? And so I can, I can, I can, I usually will go and I, and I told him this. I said I'll usually do a couple of bull calls, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I don't rattle, but I'll take a scapula, uh, and then I'll bang the brush a little bit, and um, and then I'll light up a couple of cow calls. And I said so you know, they're going to come in. Don't worry about it. They're in a rut and they're near. I'm going to, they're going to come right into us. And I said, but I said, here's the deal. I said, if it's a a big one, I said, you know, if it's 60 or better, I haven't shot one this year. And I'm going to, my son's at the time, my son was 14 years old. And I said, I'd really like my son to go, but you're welcome to go with me, you know, this first year. And then if it's 50 ish, then go ahead and shoot it. But I'll let you know, I said. He said, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Do I, sure. Whatever, right? He's so <laughs> excited just to go out. So we get out in the woods, and we start. I start calling, and I go through my routine. And and as soon as I hit the brush, I could hear the brush erupt about 100 yards away. And uh, and then I hear, whoa, whoa, you know. he's. I can hear him grunting, and I thought, oh, here he comes. So... I, I, I looked and he says, you can just see he was excited. And I said, here, is, so I said, listen, I can't see we're, it's going to happen fast. I said, so when it happens, I said, if I'll, I'll look at one of the two of you. I said, and, and whoever I tap the shoulder is who's going to shoot it. And he says, well, why, why can't I, he says, why can't I shoot it? I said, well, we already talked about this, right? If it's, if it's a big one, I really like my son to shoot it. You're going to get half the meat. I mean, you're, you know, you got to carry it out. And he says, oh, okay. He said. But, but I really want to shoot one. And I said, well, we already covered this. And now, and now he's giving me the, I'm, I'm just going to shoot it, right? And I'm like, no, you're not going to just shoot it. My son's going to shoot it. This is a whole free trip. I, by the way, this is just a buddy, right, from, from college. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I said, here's the deal. I said, so it comes out. And now this thing's standing about 25 yards away, broadside, you know, banging the brush. And he's ripping brush out and tag alders. And he puts his rifle up, and I said, "What? What are you doing?" I said, "I said, listen. I said, I think that's like, I, I said low sixties. I said, I think it's about 62, 63. sixty-three, four brow tines on one side easily." And he puts his gun up. I said, "Just a minute." He said, "Well, I don't think that's fair." I said, "What do you mean you don't think?" We're having this discussion. Why the bull standing there looking at? I said, "What do you mean it's not fair?" I said, "Tell you what." I said, "I said, how about if I just, I'll just flip a quarter." Is that cause I had a quarter? I said, Is that does that make sense? Would that would that make you happy? And my son's like, Yeah, I don't care, whatever, you know. <laughs> so I said, So I pull a quarter in my pocket and I said, Call it. This guy Gets on one knee and goes.
3: <laughs> and
2: sounds like a dead cat. And this moose looked up and thought, "What in the hell is that?" And took off running about Mach 10. And I said, "I meant call the corner, you meathead, not call a moose." <laughs> so heads or tails, and it was tails because that moose was gone. And I never took. I, and I, he said, "He said, well, that was that didn't go as planned, and that's the last time I took that guy in the woods." <laughs> greatest moose story
1: <laughs> I had about the moose that got away uh,
2: <laughs> I think I that sleep. moose is still I, running
1: <laughs> I I have a similar story um, when I was uh, a kid uh, you know I, I think I was I was 13 or 14 something like that <clears throat> and there was a uh, a local fellow who was an outfitter, and, and uh, most of his clientele were all all Americans, come up from from the south and and come up moose hunting. And, and back in those days, you know, around here, a fifty to fifty five inch bull was 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 quite doable. Sure. And uh, he had this uh, uh, Indian fellow, uh, Moberly, his name was, and that guy, oh my god, like if you closed your eyes, you, you'd have shot him every time he called moose. Like I mean, he he was. He, oh, he, he was the most perfect moose you've ever heard. And yeah. and he had the, just the greatest sense of humor, you know, he'd, yeah. he'd talk about, there was, they had the, 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 um, outfitter's uh, nephew was there and he was, he was guiding and he was 20 and knew everything. Right. And, and, uh, old Mr. Moberly would say to me, he says, oh, that guy, he says, he, he couldn't track a moose down the muddy road, you know, and <laughs> that kind <laughs> of stuff, right? Yeah. 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 So we're, uh, we're there, and they, and in comes this crew, and uh, they. I was going to say that they're from from down south because they had accidents, but that's not that's not limiting it much. Right. I think I think they're like Kansas or something like that, right? right? Anyway, they're really really excited, and so everybody's in high spirits the first night. You know, you get into camp and everything, check the guns, and and uh, it's it's dark, so they sit around and they have a few beer. Well. In those days, there was no such thing as having any American brands up here. It was all just Canadian beer, and of course, Canadian beer has has a bit of a of a a record of of being a little stronger, you know, sure, of, of yeah. knocking people a little bit on their butts if they're not used to it. Yeah. And uh, these these guys got into it pretty good. They we kind of we poured a couple of them into the tent. By the time you know ten o'clock rolled around, the next day we're out there. And the beer had had another effect on them, and none of them could keep their pants up or keep away from the outhouse for very long, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, well, Mr. Moberly, he's calling away, and we're sitting on this ridge, and, and both him and I know there's there's, there's big bulls there because we've, we've been seeing them for days, and he's calling, and and every few minutes the the, the, the client is, is running over, and he's dropping his drawers and making the most god-awful noises and, and <laughs> More really is saying like, "This is I don't know if we can call a moose in against that." You know what I mean, right? Right. (laughs) But damned if he doesn't, he calls it a moose, and and right there, you know, and he tells the American, "Yeah, you you should shoot it. You should shoot it. It's a good, it's a good bull, and it was, it was, it was fifty five inches anyway. You know, something like that." And uh, he goes, but it got up, and you just see his face go white he slowly sinks down and he pulls his pants down as he's sinking and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, never did get a shot of the moose he's just, he had his pants puddled around his knees and then moose walked off oh that was a great story in that camp for a lot of years
2: <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that'd have been that'd have been funny yeah oh i've seen it all i mean I, I have literally seen it all over the years and i we had, we were out last year on our, on our, uh, I do one fly out a year and we've been going to the same spot for 20 years and we flew it. We fly into this beautiful little lake. That's kind of our lake, right? I call it my lake. It's not my lake, but it's a state lake, but we fly in there. And on the last day this year, I, uh, we wanted to do a video for the website and I wanted to do something funny, just my sense of humor as well, like yours. And, and so I did the here, instead of the here fishy fishy, I, I was really quiet and i and i have the video on our website which we'll get to and and i said here this is very you, this is the best moose call i got i'm going to give it everything i got and then i said here moosey 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 you know and 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 i'll be damned if 30 seconds later a bull didn't walk out of the brush while we we're filming and, and one of my buddies said what are these? The dumbest animals on the planet? I mean, good <laughs> lord! I said, I said, yeah, I, I, don't know what I got. I just got some moose sex appeal in me, I guess. My voice—I don't know what it is. I, I can't, I, I can't turn it off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. That's really, it's, it's one of the, one of the things I enjoy the most is, is uh, moose hunting and, and, uh, and now trapping. You know, like I said, the, the thing with trapping is, it's it's like having to learn all over again, right? Just when you get one good at one thing, you move on to something else and and i and i by no means am going to set up a 40 50 70 mile line like you guys do. I'll be happy with 10 12 traps out there, just just something to check on and and uh, and i learned so much from you guys and from my buddies up here, you know, about uh, lynx and lynx behavior and i love the way you guys set up your your traps for that and of course we have wolves too and the wolves are just absolutely decimating the, the caribou up here i don't know how you guys oh are yeah there, but there's yeah. i mean they are absolute wrecking crew and now i'm seeing it in northern michigan right many years ago i went back to whitetail hunt and <clears throat> i went in to the dnr office and the young man that was there is just out of college maybe he's 24 or 25 and he's the biologist and they had a full mount wolf there timber wolf and i said what's that and he said well it's a wolf i said well i can see that you dummy but why, why, why is it here <laughs> and he said well we're reintroducing him into the up i said that's a terrible idea we just spent 100 years trying to get rid of him and i said you know i don't have a problem with you reintroducing him as long as you're going to have some kind of a predator kill for him but i know michigan and that ain't the way it's going to work it's until until they wipe out all of the deer and start attacking people's dogs and and livestock that is when you're going to put some kind of a, a predator control in when it's when it's already too late. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happening now in the UP of Michigan, and it is absolutely what's happening up here. And they're just so smart, as you guys know. Good lord, they're smart animals.
1: We um, in Alberta, anyway, we 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 are the kings of studying things to death. And some of the things that we've learned about wolves um, four thousand wolves it takes twenty thousand ungulates to sustain that ungulate population and feed 4,000 wolves that's without any other stress on that uh, on that ungulate population just to feed those 4,000 wolves last count they they figured we have over 8,000 wolves in Alberta it's um, astounding how much they eat how efficient they are at killing Um, I actually think a bush coyote is smarter than a wolf because once you get once you figure the wolves and, and and understand that the pack is what's so important and, and that interaction in that pack that's always going on, you can take advantage of that. Whereas, you know, a bush coyote is pretty often a solitary animal and he's, you know, he's always worried about the wolf eating them and, and everything else. And they, I, I think he's a little bit smarter than, than the wolf, but wolves can certainly be humbly. No question.
2: Yeah. The wolves, the wolves up here, and they're, you know, to your point, they're absolute killing machines and And they are not a dog, right? And and, and people that don't understand them, associating with dogs and and trapping, um, you know, gets a bad, kind of bad light from some of these folks that don't understand. What a wolf and a wolf pack. I have been up on a mountain and the only time I see them in the wild is when I'm up on a high ridge someplace and they're traveling across the tundra, right? Because they're so smart. Usually they're nocturnal up here. You very rarely see them during the daylight. And when you do, it's when they're after a herd of caribou or sheep. And I have seen them in the tallest mountains that you think that only a billy goat could go up. And I have seen them on the flattest tundra. And I have watched uh, a pack of 16 to 18 wolves, somewhere in there, pull down 14 caribou out of this massive mulchatna herd, 200,000 strong, and eat two of them and just leave the rest. And as they teach their pups how to hunt, you know, they'll pull the entrails out or maim them. And then, and then that's the grizzly bears uh, are just carrion eaters for the most part. They just, they'll, they'll just follow the wolf, her, you know, the wolf pack around picking up their, picking up their dead. It's amazing.
1: Well, it's, it's a, a thing to behold and, and it's to try and make people understand this, but you know, when a, a pack of wolves takes down a moose, that moose probably, you know, the, the death scene is anywhere from half mile to a mile. Oh, yeah. And, you know, towards the end of it all, he's, he's dragging his entrails. He's stepping on his own entrails and all that. Yeah. And then if you happen to catch one of those wolves, you know, and you come up and you've got it in a foothold and, and, uh, you know, it will be there, you know, it'll get submissive and it'll put its head down. It'll whine and it'll, yeah. it'll wag its tail back and forth, just like a puppy dog would. And it'll, it'll, it's head will still be covered in blood from that moose. Oh yeah. You know, don't ever forget what it is exactly that you're dealing with.
2: Never. And you'll see them, you know, they're so smart when I talk about how smart they are. When, when in times of, you know, and and you said it on your show and that nature's very cruel, right? There's, there's no, there's very little balance without hunters and without trappers, right? Nature doesn't have a very good balance system. It's either feast or famine. And that's what we see up yep. here. And, and, and so that, that kind of rang home with me when, when you both said that, and you were talking about it. And one of the things that I see up here is that um, and, and for sure, when it comes to wolves, is that, you know, they are when they go after something and they set their mind to killing something, it's done. And they will track that they, I've, they will follow a moose for 10 miles and just wear it down. Just knowing that sooner or later it's going to drop. And and like you said, I've watched them when when they run out of moose and they run out of deer. And and in times of when, so as long as there's a lot of snow, the moose don't have a chance, right? Because those wolves, their big feet can run on top of that and the moose go right, you know, the moose sink in it. But in times when we don't have a lot of snow, and the last couple of years has been, we haven't got a lot of snow in Alaska, at least in, in the interior. Uh, what they'll do is they'll send the bitches in heat right through the villages, right? And they'll all wait on the... You'll yep. see it. And, and every stray dog right <laughs> in the village yeah, <laughs> follows this wonderful wagging the tail wolf that looks like a dog. You know, the smaller females wagging their tail, playing with them right to the outskirts of town where the rest of the, the pack just jumps on them. And that's it. And, and those dogs don't last 10 seconds. Because they just roll oh. over to them, right? They don't, they don't even try to fight. There's no fight in them. Uh, it's, it's a terrible. Well, they, thing.
1: they, they have no understanding. Their, their understanding of, of fight and wolf's understanding of fight are far two different things. One, yeah. you know, the dog might be defending its its dog dish or or its territory or whatever. The wolf is is killing. It's okay, that's it's, exactly it's life, right. right? That's exactly. I mean, it's right. it's such a such a huge difference.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. You know, very, a lot of similarities, I think, between, you know, Alaska and, and especially northern Canada, I would say, and and uh, seasons are probably the same. And I, I don't know about you, I, I am ready for a summer. I know I know when you started <laughs> here, you're talking about spring. I am. This has been a long winter. We had some brutal cold, 20, 30 below with not much snow, so you can't get out on the snow machines. And, you know, the ice, I, I went to go ice fishing the other day, and I had, I'd have to have 14 auger extensions to be able to get down. <laughs> find find the water (laughs)
3: when when
1: the eight foot stepladder is part of your ice fishing equipment
2: exactly right like good god i think there's water down there somewhere i just don't know where yeah yeah the fish yeah so
1: what tell us a little bit about your seasons when when does usually like freeze up happen
2: uh so it it's usually it can happen usually anytime in october right so usually around October mid-november it's a lot like the Midwest of you know in the states so October yeah. and then it's usually spring kicks in probably around um, April May uh, but it's not uncommon <laughs> to get a snowstorm in May right so <laughs> yeah you know we all it's
1: not it's not uncommon to still have ice on the lake in may too
2: (laughs) it is not it is it is not and then our our seasons as far as trapping go uh march 31st coyote closes i want to say uh mid-may i think it's like may 15th beavers over and done fox and lynx close the end of february and uh martin's open till the end of march and mink and weasel runs through the end of january i think otters march as well and then muskrat Runs till mid May as well. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, I think muskrats, May to March, if I'm not mistaken. So, or March to May. It's, it's, um, it, it's probably very similar, you know. Um, I know you got to keep track of it because it does change <laughs> on occasion. <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, the damn rule book up here is you got to ha- it's like a Bible, you know, it's about because of how big Alaska is, there's, you know, 60 different sections. And each section is managed a little differently. So pretty exciting right now. We have Fur Rondi going on, which is right up your alley. Um, That always starts the beginning of the Iditarod races. And um, so, yep. And back in the 50s, the Fur Rondi was super important. Fur Rondi basically started in Anchorage. And that's when all of the trappers used to bring in all of their, their furs. And then fur buyers from all over the world would fly into Anchorage and buy those furs and uh and now it's turned into this media event that that uh starts the iditarod race and starts some of the sprint races that are qualifiers for iditarod is my understanding and then it's it's kind of a carnival down there and then they have the public auctions where uh, the state fishing game and state trooper uh, seized items Uh, maybe you shot an under limit moose or something or whatever it was right Uh, some of the poaching cases they'll sell all those off Um, And then, like I said, then the Iditarod starts. So kind of a fun time of the year for us up here. That started last week.
0: And how long does that last?
2: It's a couple of weeks, usually. It's usually um, from about the first week of May uh, through, or it's May, from from March 1st, usually through mid-March. Yeah.
1: How long does the race last?
2: Uh, Iditarod race usually lasts a couple of weeks. It's 1,000 miles. Um, and mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah. Uh, it's based on it, it goes from Anchorage all the way up to Nome, and yeah. uh, so it's I think it's like a thousand miles, and I don't know how many hours that oh. is north, <laughs> but it's a lot. <laughs> we, well, well we is
0: it by dog talk or about dog sled hours? Car hours? We've yes. actually had some uh, very well-known Canadian mushers that have taken taken part
1: in, and been. They live just down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it's it's
2: fantastic, and and those those dogs are, uh, you know, machines. I mean, they are just machine. They are born and bred to run, and uh, it's amazing thing to watch. And of course, the um, you know the the story about I think the dog's name was Balto, if I remember right, and that's uh, when the whatever plague hit Nome way back when, and the only antidote antidote was in Anchorage, and Uh, The weather was terrible, and uh, there's a story about it, and... um,
1: Oh, cool. I've never heard this one.
2: that's exactly right. And so that's how that started, was um, he had to... He was the only racer um, that... wasn't a racer. He was the only dog sled driver that they thought was capable of being able to get that antidote from Anchorage and bring it all the way up to Nome, and he braved the weather and got it done. And that dog is... um, it, that's the Disney story that you see over and over again. And they changed the dog's name from Balto to whatever the Disney character is. I don't remember the name of it right now <laughs> for the sled dog, the very famous sled dog. And, and, uh, but that's how that was developed. That's where that came from. Kind of neat.
1: Oh, and those dogs live to run, you know, that oh, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's their life. And when people talk about it, you know, it's, I mean, like around here, rodeo is very big. And you have, you know, you have those, those incredible cutting horses. You have the bucking horses. You have the bucking, the, the Brahma bulls buck, bucking and all that kind of stuff. And and, and people talk about how the cruelty to it. That is that animal's life. You know, that, that animal is never so happy as when it's performing. Um, they had a, uh, there was an uh, article in the news the other day about how this um, therapy dog, and it had gone into to work with, uh, I believe it was with, Veterans that it was working with, mm-hmm. and veterans and and uh, and like um, children, people of, that had been in traumatic situations to help them be able to to sit down and testify and talk about what what happened and all that, and they were saying at 10 years old, they were now retiring it. And I says, well, that was really sad. And everybody says, what are you talking about? I said, well, that dog, that's, it's that dog's life. What's it going to do now? You might think we have this, this human idea, you know, the difference between humans and animals, you have this human idea that you're, you know, it's going off to happy retirement. Now it's losing its way in life, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know it's gone. And, and I, I, you know, so I believe that that Balto story was from, I believe it was 1933. And um, I believe that it was from like Anchorage or Nana, and had to get all the way up there to Nome to get that serum. And um, the dog's name was, I think the Disney film was Balto, but the dog's name was Togo. And, um, and that's basically how it started. And I, I just think it's so, such a neat story. And, and now with uh, I see that Disney's redone Call of the Wild uh, which is kind of neat. I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out. And then I'm like, yeah, I live that pretty much every day when I'm out there. So that's Alaska, <laughs> yeah. right? but, but the okay. dog is CGI. Yes. The dog is CGI. That's right. I, I saw it. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I I didn't care for that. (laughs) Yeah. Harrison Ford
0: might be CGI
1: too. Well, he didn't look 112.
2: No, no. God, God bless him. You know, something else that I I just have to, I just have to chime in on is how important it is to, to, because I, I say it on my show all the time and going back to our children and our kids and, and I believe one of the episodes I saw, you had your son, is that right? Was out with you on the, on the trail? Yep. Was that your yep. boy? Yeah. And, and, and yep. you know, I, I'm so incredibly proud of my, my children. I have three kids, and my oldest boy is a uh, officer, a police officer up here. He's a, a parole officer now for the state. But, you know, those kids never for one second wanted to hang out in a mall on a video game, right? They would always want to no. be out hunting or fishing. With dad and the family. And that is just, you know, the time I I always tell everybody the time you put into your kids when they're young is well spent because that's going to be a lot of attorney money you're not going to have to spend in the future.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a time on the therapist's couch.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, it's the same for for us. We've got three children as well. And our daughter, I I think she kind of shocked her in laws because. It was a coyote out in the front yard. They live, they ranch over in the province of Saskatchewan. So a few hours, eight hours drive from here. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. There
2: you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's a coyote out in the yard. So she went and got her gun and she was out there in her pajamas on the deck shooting this coyote. And her mother-in-law was just looking at her like, okay, you fit in. That's right. good. <laughs> right. Right. Why
2: wouldn't you? Yeah. And that's, and that's my kids, you know, my, my, uh, I was talking, a very dear friend of mine, his name, his name is Jim Teeny, and of course, Teeny Nymphs, and fly rods, and world-renowned fly fishermen, and, and yes. kind of the, the yes. legend, right? The man, him, him, Lefty Cray, and you know, those are the guys that I've been able to fish with over the years, and who, guys that I consider my friends, and, and we were out fishing with my boy and my daughter, the same thing, and, and you know, the, by the time our, my kids are 12, 13 years old, you know, they're very, very good with a fly rod. And um, and and I'm so incredible. My daughter, she's in grad school now, uh, back in lower Forty Eight, and she just said, uh, just two days ago, she said, "Dad, I can't wait to come up this summer and go fly fishing." And I thought, well, that's pretty cool that your 21 year old daughter wants to come back and go fishing with you. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And she said, that's "But Dad, pretty cool. Cool. yeah, I I I want to bring my boyfriend, and he's not a very good fisherman. Is that okay if I bring him along?" <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> Uh, he said, "Yeah, sure. I guess as long as he doesn't bring a can of worms and a spinning
1: rod, I
3: guess it's okay." <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway,
1: you know, yeah. it's 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 funny though. I mean, the whole world today. I mean, everybody. You know, you talked about how nobody ever takes responsibility, but n- nobody nobody um, <clears throat> thinks things through or, or or does the common sense thing anymore. And there's whole industries that are you know have sprung up around how to raise your kids in today's world. It's easy. You know, really for, for us raising kids was we were poor. All we had was yeah. time, and so they got all the time. It was it was yeah. so simple, and yeah. it was it was easy to raise kids because you, you did everything together. It wasn't like I was off with the guys golfing or, or whatever, and, and Sandy yeah. wasn't out with the gals. And you know, we 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 were throwing the kids off the deck into the snowbank in the backyard, or, or or we were out burning a wiener, or we were getting a load of firewood. It, it was it was easy. You just spend yeah. time with them, get to know them. You know,
2: and that's all kids need. That's all kids really want is, is your time, and you know, and and, um, and and hunting and fishing is like that. I, I guess anything trapping is probably the same. You you um, you know, you either have time, or usually uh, the only you can have a lot of money, right? And that makes things a lot easier when it comes to hunting, because if you can fly into where there's nobody else, well, that's easy. But really, the only substitute for money is that time. And so if if you put in a lot of time hunting or fishing or trapping you're going to be able to do just as well as somebody with a whole bunch of money that has a helicopter to be able to get you there right and and, but but with kids there is no substitute to your point for time no matter how much money you have it doesn't it doesn't matter right it it it, there's no substitute for time the best thing you can do for a kid is to spend time with them i absolutely agree 100 percent
1: if people would just understand, it's not what you can do for your kid; it's what you do with your kid. Yeah. Uh, do you, have you do you own a hunting dog, like do. a hunting breed? So,
2: yeah, I have a lab, right? And, um, and okay, she's she. So these days, she's a little older now. She's about nine years old, so she really hunts uh, uh, really well. Donuts. Uh, she she can point them <laughs> and she can pick them up off the floor. Uh, and she floats super good. Uh, she can do that. Uh, so she's, so she's, yeah. So I've got labs. I always had short hairs, right? And, and, uh, my dad raised short hairs. I got short hairs. And I remember putting some time in to train that short hair. And my dad caught me trying to train my short hair. And he said, Jeffrey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm training my dog. He said, that dog's been bred to, to hunt for the last 300 years. All you're going to do is screw him up. <laughs> he said go out in the woods with him and spend time with them. stop trying to teach him everything you can't teach that dog well, anything that he doesn't already know
1: <laughs> the, well that, that's where I was going to go with this is that yeah. we, we have this stupid affinity for short hair dogs short hair uh, pointers yeah. um, GSPs and, and Weimaraners and, and which are a terrible choice for the country we live in because half right. the year the, the, it's too cold for them but the thing about, the, about those hunting breeds is that you know, we, we live in a way out out in the country and that we can open the door and they have hundreds of acres that they can go run, run through and and whatever, but they stand there at the door and whine until we come out because it's not that they can go do something that they want to do it with you. And it's exact same thing with kids is that, you you know, they, they want to be doing it with you and that's, what's important. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, uh, and just like kids, you know, you gotta, and just like this, like dogs, right. They learn better By just like we all do, by by doing it themselves, by making some mistakes and learning the hard way that, you know, some things take work and sometimes you gotta think things through and you're only going to make so many mistakes so many times most of us before we do it a different way the next time and a dog's no different
3: <laughs> so yeah. that's what
2: I that's, that's what I that's what I've learned so i am incredibly blessed just like you my 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 three children are fantastic and and really it's hard for me to relate you know when i when i have these buddies that are like oh man you know little jimmy got sideways with the law and and uh, you know this and I, and i look back and i think you know I remember you spent more time at the bar than you did with Jimmy. <laughs> and and yeah. that's what happens, yeah. right? And and sometimes, yeah, I, I just, like I said, anybody listening to this show, just if you have kids, if you have young kids, t- to both of our points, right, just spend time with them and they'll turn out just fine. So despite of their parents. <laughs> In spite of their parents.
1: <laughs> we, 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 get, we have some wonderful uh, people, though, that we... Yeah we've connected through you know especially amazon prime brought us a, a bunch of people from from uh, down in, in south in the southern united states now, and they send us pictures of their little guys and gals and and you know with with a big old catfish and some other things that i don't i, I don't recognize i, I need an <laughs> explanation about right. yeah yeah. <laughs> but, yeah you know it's 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 so wonderful to see that there are still yeah. people doing that cuz sometimes you know you get you get old and crotchety, and, and if we lived in town, I'd be the old guy that'd be yelling at, "Hey, you kids, get off my lawn!" And, but you know, you, you start to think that it's all over, it's all lost. But there's still yeah. there's still some good people out there doing good things.
2: There is, and I and I think you guys, uh, you know, in particular, you guys have a really good message on your show, and you're you're gregarious, um, and you 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 you're able to show people right very in a very real way it's not fake it's very real and it's very genuine and and that is that is just what's missing and i think a lot of television these days um some of the things that i used to grow up with and watch probably like you did as well um i i I think that the message you have is very clear and and it inspires everybody and you guys should be very proud of what you've done because it, it it inspired even you know me who you know like i said that i am not the greatest trapper right i'm just learning but i recognize that hey this is an opportunity that that i really need to to get into it's something that was was you know generations and and i'm the guy kind of dropping the ball on it for for the anderson family i mean varvel family right so (laughs) i I, I need to to pick it up and and uh, so anyways i want you guys to know you know from the bottom of my heart all all, uh, a goofiness aside that you guys do make a difference and and you do inspire people out there. And even, even old crotchety buggers like myself. So.
0: Well, we sure appreciate that. It's, I think for us, we're just being ourselves out there and, and if that's inspiring or, or connects with people, then that's a real bonus from our perspective.
1: I said to Sandy that there is a a PETA post office wall somewhere with our faces on it. And (laughs) as most wanted, because we have seen the, the the number of people that have taken up trapping like you're one of, of thousands that have contacted yeah. us that since they've watched you know and when i started this i it was like everybody says no oh, you that you can't put that on tv nobody's that's that's far too graphic for tv and and uh you know i thought you know my argument was was a swamp people could be on tv we could be on tv oh my and i'm God. just i'm astounded at how many people They'll have said, you know, well, I I didn't trap or grandpa trapped or you know nobody's trapped in the family for 30 years, but you inspired me, and I was, I, I thought that's good. Maybe, maybe maybe we can actually be the little Dutch boy with the finger in the dike and and hold back the tide a little bit. That would be awesome.
0: I think well, more than exactly anything, we've been with people that are um, not familiar with the outdoors. We're somehow we're connecting with people that don't have a connection to trapping. And and it's been really educational for a lot of those folks too, because some of the things we hear is, I didn't know it was still legal, and then it, I we've told this story on many a show and probably many a podcast, but we we did a show, uh, we ended up doing a show about weasels because of this comment that came, and that was because we we caught a weasel in a Martin trap and we were talking about it on the show, and someone contacted us and said, was it legal to kill the baby white ones? Because they thought that a weasel was like a, a white seal pup and that it was a baby <laughs> of a marten. Right. And, yeah. you know, we you can giggle about stuff like that, and, and it, it sounds kind of funny when we all know the answers, but more than anything, it was an opportunity to teach. And, and so then we ended up doing a whole show about about weasels. But that, that's the other part of it. I mean, we, we're encouraging people to be out with their families that are already out in the outdoors and trapping is another connection where you're not fishing and you're not hunting, but you're you are out there with a maybe a bit of a deeper connection to the, your surroundings. But then there is a whole other group of people out there that know nothing about what you're doing. And so it's... It's been good that way and I think that every trapper plays a part in that in whatever community you're in. So for what you're doing with your kids and, and in your community and teaching your friends and whatnot, I I think that's I think yeah. it's phenomenal that people do those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, I guess the the thing with the radio show and, and both the TV show too, uh, there's so many fake shows that are on. You know, when you when you talked about small mm-hmm. people, right? But for me, it's the Alaska Bush people, right? I just want to punch somebody in the face every time. I oh watch my goodness! Because because it's <laughs> yeah. completely fake and it's completely. But then you have a show, a reality show like The Last Alaskans, right? And that show talks about the the last seven permit holders in a national wildlife refuge, right? That, with that, how they live and how they trap. And it's a wonderful show filmed in Northern Alaska. And it follows these five of the seven families that have these these permits to have their cabins. And then the park service owns them now, of course. So once, the la- once their children die, the park service will burn them to the ground, right? But they're, you know, they've been trapping up there for hundred years. And and I think that those are the kind of shows that hold people's interest. Not these in yeah, the fake reality shows are what they are. Um, but the genuine shows make the difference for most of us. And and here's the here's the other thing that I learned and and something for you as well, just to to, to take a, maybe a piece from, is I when I first started doing the TV show and, and the radio show as well. I always wanted to show everybody what I was doing, like, like uh, the end product, right? And, 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 uh, and that's not necessarily what's important. It's a lot of the planning stuff that they don't know how to do because they didn't have a dad or a grandfather to show them how to do that, especially with you know, the single parents that are out there these days. You know, I, some of the inner cities are, in the United States are 60 to 75% single-parent households, sometimes only moms. And so where does yeah. this kid learn how to do that stuff? They can't. So I'll give you an example for your show, right? When you talk about, you know, how to set... Now, I'm just going to use my dumb ass as an example, right? Uh, <laughs> you're showing all, all of, you know, the, and how you're setting up traps and doing that. Hell, I never set a conibear trap before in my life. I thought, well, I don't know how to set one of these things. <laughs> it looks it's like a chinese finger puzzle to me i had the
0: well let me tell you I, it can be i
2: know and and, and so eve i i watched every single one of your episodes you know faithfully and like i said i'm a big fan of both of yours and i i just waited i'm like well sooner or later they're going to show me how to set this thing but you 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 showed them unsetting them a lot but i never I, I finally i think one episode i finally got you see it to set one with the pliers and i think you're using a I think you were using a, uh, if I remember right, uh, one of those uh, squeeze uh, uh, caulk guns. <laughs> to be able oh, to okay, all, okay, right? yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. So, yeah. what do you think I did? I went out and bought a damn caulk gun. I said, "Oh, I, I ain't caulked anything in 20 years, but maybe that's the way you get this finger trap to work." I don't know how to do it, but that's the thing, right? Don't, don't think, don't overlook that basic stuff because that's what people are doing. Oh, that's a very Because good nobody point. taught us. So just something just something that I've learned. You know, for my show over the years, I you know, I show how to cast, you know, when we're flishing rainbows, I show how to cast and what fly I'm using. But I never showed anybody how to tie the hook on. I just thought, well, everybody knows how to tie a fishing hook onto a yeah. line. Yeah. No, they don't. They don't. Nobody's ever taught them, you know. So anyways, just for what it's worth.
1: No, I, I understand. And, and I appreciate those comments because it, that's just stuff that you don't even think about. Like, yep. we get all kinds of comments time and time again. Well, like, I saw you set that, that trap, but you didn't take the safeties off. Well, yeah, I did. But my thumbs do that on their own. I don't have to look at them. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. And so when you say that, I go safeties. What the hell's is that? What? What safety? What? They got a safety? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the traps I bought have all the safeties off of them because the trapper was 112 years old and he didn't need any damn safeties anymore, Right you know that's the kind of thing yeah. that, that you know how would we know right and so yeah it's just very interesting you know when when you do it long enough you just take some stuff for granted right and and to the guy or gal true. who's just getting into it we're not going to know that so anyways
1: that's that's very good very good to point out and we uh, we we stand properly chastised
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know
1: thanks for having me on your show
2: tip your servers good night thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> middle note we don't need to talk to any more of these guys from alaska no, <laughs> right freaking know-it-all
0: you know i could talk about how i boil water on top of the stove as well because that's <laughs> yeah well yeah you know it was, and not to be facetious about it but it's no? amazing how many how many shows that we that we do when we're around the cabin doing whatever it is that we're doing and that's those are big numbers for
1: people us. are fascinated yeah. with, the, with the life that just just yeah. the living out there right Sure, yeah.
2: sure. I have, yeah. I have a place. You know, I, I, we have the same type of thing, and, and uh, you know, people just don't. They don't have any idea. I mean, it's just so far out of their. You know, not being able to turn on a faucet and get water, or having to haul in propane, or you know, whatever the thing is. You know, finally, just on our moose hunting trips, finally, just this last maybe three years ago or four years ago, I finally got one of these really nice uh, Cabela's. I'm on the Cabela's Pro Staff. I'll plug them a minute here. But I, I bought one of these Cabela's eight-man tents, which means four-man tent, right? But it had yeah. the wood stove in it. Oh,
1: or that's a really, life changing Really friendly f- man tents.
2: Oh, yeah, you're right. But but it had one of these wood. It's the outfitter one with the wood stove. That's a game changer. Boy, when you can dry your stuff out <laughs> with a wood stove oh, yeah. at Moose Camp in Alaska. And I thought, what the hell did I wait 25 years to get this thing for? <laughs> So
1: you know, do you, I, I, you, you hear you hear the little boy inside you talking about how you're getting soft and old, don't you? I I do, yeah. I know. Well, that's exactly what's <laughs> yeah. happening. Yeah,
2: I know.
3: I want to be dry at
1: the end of the night. I don't want to put wet and socks
0: okay on again in that. my tough boots. Yeah, yep. yeah.
2: I paid the price. I, I shot up like
0: a... warm. So.
2: Yeah, that's right. And you know what we do then is when we don't shoot something, we say oh, that's okay. It was a good camping trip. That was good. We had a good camping trip. We we didn't shoot nothing, but, boy, that was a good camping trip. And my son says, Dad, I want to shoot something. I know. Well, then you go get wet boots. (laughs) 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 I got enough moose in my freezer from last year. Call me. I'll help you pack it out. As long as it's next to the road and I get the four-wheeler there, it's fine. (laughs) Anyway, you guys have been great.
1: This has been awesome. Do you uh want to give us a, a quick little talk about your radio show and your websites and how people can get a hold sure. of you and maybe they can talk to find the, maybe their long lost an, an ancestors uh, you know Andersons the Anderson,
3: Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. The Anderson. For you. yeah
2: just Yes,
1: just download the
2: Anderson Tinder app, and you can find me on... No, I'm kidding. I'm not on there. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm kidding. So um, the show is Wild Alaska, and uh, you can look me up. You can look up my name. You can just Google it, Jeff Farbell. I apologize uh, if there's any pictures on there that are inappropriate, but most of them should. I should have most of my clothes on and most of them, so that'll be fine. Um, but the, the, my keen eye, my key, E-N, or key, key. K E N A I is how you say Kenai. So it's mykenaifishing.com. Uh, you can get all of my podcasts and, uh, and then of course, uh, I'll plug, uh, our old show, which was Alaska outdoors television. It's still being uh, filmed. Tim Delarm is a producer and, and, uh, my good buddy Rob Stone is hosting that these days. One of the hosts for that. And it's a wonderful show. And you can find that on the history channel and, uh, that's my plug and like I said you guys keep on doing what you're doing I'm, I'm so incredibly blessed to meet the people that I meet in this business and and uh, thank you so much for for passing all that knowledge on to me and and what's really cool is it'll keep giving because I'll pass this on to my kids and, and my grandchildren so
1: well that's awesome are you going to go to back to the old home uh, state for uh, the National Trappers Association it's in Kalamazoo Michigan this year
2: Kalamazoo, uh, you know, um, so that's Kalamazoo is in Lower Michigan, so that's down by the. Yes, the I know someplace. it's the southern district. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we don't go below the bridge very often. Uh, my dad oh. used to say that the trolls live under the bridge, right? So don't go under, <laughs> don't go below the bridge. The trolls down in Detroit and Pontiac and Flint lived at. So don't go below the bridge. So, yeah, uh, I don't know when is it? is. I'd have to see when it is, but yeah, I think that'd be kind it's of fun around the end of June. Yeah,
1: no I'm, I'm, the, the, the a, answer is no it's a 36 hour drive for us <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah and and I'm gonna go actually it's gonna be 40 hours because we're gonna we're gonna go across the bridge because I, I Sandy's never <laughs> been across the Mac and I've I have oh, many yeah. times I've, I've told her about going across in the big winds and that kind of stuff and oh yeah maybe she'll see a troll <laughs> Yeah, hey, you, you all
0: sound like you're Norwegians. You got trolls under bridges. That's-
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, I'll just tell you, you might, my you know, i I'll tell you the first time I went down there, I had a buddy going to, to college down in Michigan State. And he said, whatever you do when you come down to visit this weekend, the first time I went down, I was what, 16 or 17. And he said, uh, uh, he's a little older than I was, and he was in college. And he said, don't give your car to any valet parking. I said, why? He said, because there is none. He said, <laughs> just, just, they'll hand you a ticket. He said, these guys, he said, these street smart guys will hand you a ticket. And he said, then they'll take your car. And then you got to explain to a Detroit cop why you're holding the number 46. And you gave the car keys to some guy you don't know.
1: <laughs> park park my, your my, car, the, sir. The, <laughs> the weirdest thing was, was the, the first time I crossed the Mac. And, and you, you get south, you know, I was going from coming from the north, go, go south. When you get get there, it's like you, you, you travel through time or something or, or to a different world because it's always Christmas on the south end of the back.
2: Yes, 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 it is, yeah. Well, here's the good news for you. If you just keep going far enough, you'll hit Windsor you your home again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can yeah. call Windsor home. <laughs> well,
1: well, if we don't... <laughs> if if we don't get a chance to see you at at uh, in in uh, Kalamazoo, um, we'll have to do this again. Um, we're always we're always out, out traveling around. Maybe, maybe we'll get to meet face to face one day. But I'd sure like to have you here again one day, Jeff. And uh, it's been a pleasure, sir.
2: Yeah, you guys too. And like I said, any anytime anytime you'd like to have me on i absolutely love your show and i'm a big fan and i look forward to the upcoming season and i'll just tell you that june june july and august is fishing and in, in you know really june through october is hunting season up here and you're not going to prime me on alaska so uh yeah it's so, true you know what i mean that's yeah, yeah true. Can, it's like trying to get you guys to leave in in uh, probably january or december probably don't happen that often if you guys are on the first
1: in november to to yeah. to the uh, end of march <laughs> yeah, that's we stick
2: it. pretty close to home yeah well i'm <laughs> the same way you know for the summer so thanks for having me and anytime you guys stay in touch and and uh, uh, one of your next coming up episodes that you guys are filming show me how to set one of those bear traps and we'll be good
0: all right we'll we 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 do, do that a, we might even just do a youtube and put it up there that's right and it's, and been, for our friend it's been a pleasure
1: man and, okay, and thank you for everybody for listening. Listening again, and uh, maybe we'll see you down the line, everybody. For-